<laughs> I know. Um, every time I do a podcast, I like have the water next to me, and you can always hear like the that there noise, like of the bottle cap going. I know forward. what you mean. Yeah, and then I kept on saying to me, and if you need to make sure that you don't do that, because like people can hear it right in their ear, and I'm like, so I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> I'll be pulling away as I take a drink. Yeah, I know. Like I don't cough into the mic. Sometimes I'll like if I do feel that I'm a cough's coming on or something like that, I'll like go to the side and then um, if people are watching yeah. the video probably like what the fuck's he doing but oh come uh, okay great thanks for joining me Amy uh, today um, not a problem this is the 8th episode I've done which is crazy because I started it like 2 months ago and um, I'm starting to get the confidence though but um, I still get nervous like I'm nervous now <laughs> oh yeah I'm the absolute same so don't, don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you sing online that must take some balls to do that um, like singing online isn't too bad because I don't have loads of people in front of me watching. Mm. But if I'm going out on stage, I get so nervous. Like to this day, I get so nervous. Really? So, so you've been doing singing like what your whole life, or have you just started doing it on Instagram? Yeah, since I was small. So I started off. There's a good few stories about me doing. I don't know if you have this competition, um, score, you know, score in an oak. No. Um, it's for primary schools, so they go into competitions, like, there's loads, like, set dancing, Irish singing, Irish music, loads of it. Yeah. But, um, there's a good story from when I was nine years old, maybe, when I did that competition, and I was so, so nervous that I kept, like, gulping like swat away mm-hmm. and it sounded like I had hiccuped. Oh no. Um so yeah, I never I never got over that and lived that down. <laughs> I did get over the the gulping and was able to sing a normal song on stage without doing it, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, it never lived that down. I'm still maxed about it to this day. <laughs> Real oh my god. That that's I, I get that sometimes whenever I'm talking to people that I've just met as well. Like I'll uh, take like a big massive like gulp. It must just be like an anxiety problem or something like that. Oh, hundred percent. It's a nervous thing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's why I like to have like water with me or like chewing gum or something because like it uh, gets rid of like the nerves and the anxiety and it means I'm like focusing on something else. Um, I know. What you mean. I, I used to be a leg shaker, but I stopped doing that because it, it's fucking. I'll just take off. <laughs> I'm such a leg shaker. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny when you see someone else doing it. Like, remember whenever you're in the, an exam, like, uh, during school and like you would just see someone next to you, like, just bobbing their leg and you're like, fuck, that's pissing me off. And then you stop doing that. And then you look down and you're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And you all, it's always, you're doing it for ages before you notice that you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. You said that you were on stage. Have you, like, just been, whenever you were a kid, you were doing, like, plays, or have you actually, like, went to competitions, like, X Factor or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> X Factor. <laughs> Funnily enough, I have auditioned for X Factor. Oh, really? Much, much younger. Um, but, no, I used to go to a state school, a centre state school in Mallow. Um, I went there. My younger brother, Shane, went there, who is actually on... Shane is in Lamez on the West End. Oh, really? Holy um, fuck! Yeah, he is not not at the moment because of COVID and everything. But yeah, yeah. Um, so Shane went there, and then my youngest brother Darren would never get into sing, so he didn't go there. But um, 
we went there from when we were, well, Shane went there when he was 60, but I went there from when I was a kid. And dancing and singing was always something that was such a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I had actually plans to go to London to do musical theatre in college uh, before I ever did the nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and after my leaving cert, I did dance for a year in a college in Cork. And I ended up breaking both my feet that year. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to go down a different direction. But it's very strange because there have been times recently that I kind of think, oh, God, what would it have been like if I had done it, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's definitely a part of me at the moment that's like, no, I'm exactly where I need to be like it all happened for a reason yeah but yeah that was my uh now I still obviously I still sing I don't dance as much um mm-hmm. but yeah that was my stage experience <laughs> a career cut short <laughs> yeah I know it's like break a leg you actually done it um <laughs> what did they yeah how, how did you break your feet what happened oh both <laughs> oh god um the first time was in a uh, in a ballet class and I just landed wrong oh. on um on one of my feet and yeah broken and then the second time it was only two months later three months later um I was in a dance class again had just gotten like fully back in college mm-hmm. and uh, I broke my other foot oh, my God. <laughs> in a dance class again and what like ugh, dancing's kind of like fighting in a sense. Um, cause it's all about your footwork. Um, so like, were you able to go up like on your tippy toes? You know, like you see in Titanic when Rose does it and all? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Just Long story short. No, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just, I, I remember one time whenever I was, uh, I was sparring with someone and I threw a kick, but the kick didn't actually hit him. It was whenever I landed and the kick, hit the ground I just fell like awkwardly on my ankle I like went over it but the person from yeah. across the um across the mats who was at the office she heard like this pop like this like sort of crack and I didn't think oh. yeah I didn't think it was broke but it just felt like you know like whenever you've sprint like your ankle or something like that and then I the next couple of days I was like fuck this is really sore like it was an excruciating pain whenever I like turned or like done like a sharp movement and it was like someone had put like, do you know, like a clamp, like on your, like on your leg. And it felt like I couldn't yeah. move. Like the clamp was just so like hard on my foot or on my uh, lower leg. And then I went to the doctors and they said that, um, they said that there was nothing wrong with it. They didn't want to give me an x-ray because it just sounded like it was just like a grade two sprain or something like that. But till this day, I'm convinced that it was fucking broke because it was in like excruciating pain. Like I've had sprains before, but that was like fucking that was sore. And um, but to put my mind, yeah, it, it definitely could have had a small break in yeah. it. Like my first one, the first foot that I broke. Um, my original X-ray, they told me it wasn't broken, and I walked in it for a week, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, actually it is." That's fucking, it's insane. Cause there's like, I think there's certain types of bones in your, your uh, foot and in your uh, leg that are like not weight bearing. So you could break stuff and you wouldn't know because there's no weight on it. But the ones that do have the weight is where you're like, oh shit, this is so sore because you obviously can't walk or anything like that. <laughs> that, 
that one you know about. <laughs> yeah, the the one you know about. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like you 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 take uh, you take the doctor's word for gospel as well. Like anything that they say, you're just like, right, okay, that's what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. They, yeah, but then I know I, I'm going to go in bashing about doctors here, and you're a nurse. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some doctors though who obviously do get it wrong. Like everyone can't get it right. Um, cause like you hear these stories, like cancer patients, like surviving, like, um, like terminally ill, like whenever they're terminally ill, um, and like the doctor gives them like a certain percentage to live and it's like a low percentage and the next thing they just fucking, they beat what the doctor says, but, um, probably yeah, nine times out of ten the doctor gets, I right. mean, the thing is, they're only human as well and human error is something that will happen regardless of how highly trained you are. Yeah. But there are definitely cases of, <coughs> like, yeah, it should have been caught at the time, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you I, said that your brother does, he's on the West End. How the fuck did he, like, manage to do that then? Obviously he's talented. Yeah, he's very talented, in fairness to him. He, um, when he was about 16, he was in transition year in school. And he was doing this thing called the Goshka Award. And for it, he had to try something new. So, like, join a new activity was one of the things to get this award. Mm-hmm. And we knew he could sing. And myself and my mom were like, you need to join Centre Stage. <laughs> like, yeah. just join it for a few classes, see how you go. And literally, the rest is history. Like, he loved it from the start. He's obsessed with musicals from the start. And... Two years later, he made a career for himself, and he studied it in college. So that's crazy. In I know. So did he do? So he he went to that there. What was it like a college? Did you say what was it called? Sorry. Yeah. So he went to a musical theater and did a musical theater degree in oh. college in London. Jesus! Wow, that's crazy. And he went to London too. Like that's what dreams are sort of made of, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, God, he was so brave. Like, I definitely, at 18 years, was not ready under any circumstances to move country. Yeah. Um, obviously, moved out of home for college and stuff like that in Ireland. But I, he was so brave, like, to move at 18 years old. But he knew for sure this is what he wanted. That's insane. So has his, like, so he was, like, working, obviously, on West End on, on Les Mis. Um, is is he like furloughed or something or, or like what are they doing like what's going on with them yeah so for a long time he didn't really know what he was doing um and he's just been at home in ireland so and helping my mom around the house oh, that's <laughs> he's good. been loving it yeah. um but he's just gone back to london now two days ago oh, right, okay. so uh he's going to take some online classes and stuff like that uh, in musical theatre, yeah. um, which is great, and he's just going to see what happens. Unfortunately, for a lot of people in the earth, at the moment, it's a wait and see. They really don't know yeah. when they're going to be back to the usual work that they're used to doing, you know? Yeah, that's so true. I've seen um, online, uh, what's that DJ called? That does like Booyah and stuff. He's from Netherlands. They're all from Netherlands. <laughs> um <laughs> I forget what his name is. Oh, Shootech. What am I on about? Yeah, it was Shootech. He put up a picture of uh, people on the beach and it was like just jam-packed. It was sort of like you would see like Bondi or something like that. And um, he was like, you fuckers are making it really hard for me to come back to my job. 
and his job, like obviously yeah. he can make music in the studio, but like they get the big money whenever they do the festivals, like in Ibiza and stuff like that, and like Tomorrowland. And um, like you just don't, like it's just crazy how this coronavirus has like impacted so many people. I know, and the thing is, like I say it so often, as stressful as work is for me at the moment, like I thank God I have a job to go to, and I yeah. don't, you know, I don't think I can imagine not having a job and not having that thing you love yeah and not knowing when when it's coming back you know yeah exactly it's uh yeah it's very hard me and emma whenever um we were supposed to be leaving in march and then our flights got cancelled this year shit but um it sort of worked out for the best for us because i've got a job here now um, but I knew if like, I was going back to ireland that uh, i wouldn't have had a job like i would have been so fucked because like everyone was just getting let off and furloughed yeah, it must be so, so difficult. Like, not to mind a lockdown and not having anything to do. Yeah. I feel lucky that I can go out and still socialise at yeah. work, even though it's people that I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> but I can meet people at work, whereas it, it, I can understand the frustration 100% that people have just to get back to work, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's insane. I think Australians were... Um, Obviously, we're going like through it, like Australia's going through coronavirus. Probably wasn't as big as where it was in like the UK or like America. Even Brazil looks fucking crazy now at the moment as well, and uh, obviously China too. And um, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's so weird. Um, we'll get we'll get back into the coronavirus uh, talking. I didn't want to swap from the singing talk. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. That's what I said to you. Like we'll be talking about one thing next one, and then next one will be fucking I don't know Disney or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I'm all up for a conversation about Disney. That's no problem. <laughs> well, do you know what? I might actually invite you back because I fucking love Disney. So I could go for hours talking about <laughs> Disney shit. Um, <laughs> I actually like I like Cinderella and all as well, and like Sleeping Beauty. I don't care if like people think that that's a bit like I don't know what they would say like fruity. I know it's 2020. But um, I, I love all that shit. <laughs> the old classics. Yeah, they're fucking brilliant. They're amazing. And like, like the musical <laughs> stuff as well. The musical stuff, I would like be singing my heart out. Like, um, what was I singing the other day? And Emma just looked at me and goes, Nathan, what are you doing? It was, a la- it was Aladdin. <laughs> I was singing A Whole New World. And she's just like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> what the hell? You can't, you can't, be- yeah, love it. You can't beat it. You actually cannot beat it. All those songs, like I've actually, I've got a Disney playlist on my, uh, on my phone as well. And one of the songs, do you know, uh, Mulan, I'll Make a Man Out of You? Yeah. I've got that song in my gym playlist. How great is that song? It's a great song. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> um, I remember one time, I've actually got a funny story about that before we come back and we'll talk about the, uh, about your sort of singing career um i had a f- funny story whenever i was younger um uh, I, was, I was from uh, antrim so it was like sort of like uh it was predominantly like protestant but um there was uh, a minority of like catholics there and uh i used to like sing that song like all the time and like sometimes i wouldn't have like <laughs> i wouldn't have even known that like i was like singing it or like listening to it loud on my headphones like we've been walking down the town and like all you were heard was uh Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. And I was like, oh, fuck, why did I say that? <laughs> so bad. Like, the Huns, like, 
Uh, but obviously they mean Mongolian Huns, not like Protestant Huns, but <laughs> so fucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll move off the sectarian conversation. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so whenever you were younger, you, you'd done ballet and stuff like that on stage, and then uh, did you do like any plays yourself? Like sort of like would you have done like any like school plays, like Wizard of Oz or something like that, or I don't know. Um, did we did lots of musicals. We did a uh, musical nearly every year that we were in uh, Centre Stage, and then uh, outside of Centre Stage, I also did shows in the Opera House in Cork. Okay. Um, cool. so I've done a few of those. The last show I did in Cork was Greece, uh, oh. musical, which was amazing. It was one of the best shows I've ever done and there was an amazing cast there as well and um, the director we were working with Brian O'Flynn um, who has passed away since uh, he was an amazing director to work with and I, I mean you know all those shows from centre stage and after that have all been so amazing yeah. but you know it was great to work with him as well um, in one of the last shows we did so he was amazing um, but yeah, they're most like Greece and West Side Story was another one in there. Oh, I like West Side and Story. Then you like West Side Story? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great music. Um, and then in Centre Stage, we did a lot of the classic ones, you know, Les Mis, Oliver, mm. a lot of those ones, and a lot of the not so classic. We did Dr. Seuss, uh, you know, Seussical's musical. Oh my god, what the hell? I haven't heard of yeah. that, but you've done a Dr. Seuss one, that's yeah. pretty cool. It's based on some of the Dr. Seuss uh, books, which is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's an oh, interesting yeah. one. That's so cool. Um, I was in a play whenever I was younger, The Wizard of Oz, and um, I was a scarecrow in it, and it was whenever I was like <laughs> 11, and... Uh, the amount of lines that you had to learn, like, I can imagine, like, the likes of, like, Macaulay Culkin or, like, someone who's, like, a child star, like, all the lines they had to go through, like, it's fucking crazy. Like, what we had to do was insane and, like, all the makeup on you and, like, telling you when to go out on stage, like, whenever, like, I was a kid, I just wanted to fucking eat loads of shit and play the Xbox and, like, the PlayStation and like, <laughs> I just couldn't imagine, like, someone being, like, forcing your kid to go in and, like, put that much pressure on them. It's crazy. But it is fun as well. I know. And there's so many kids on the West End, like nowadays even, and it's such a big, you know, it's such a big job for a small child, but yeah. I would imagine they don't take much notice of it, they don't feel the pressure of it at that age, they're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're probably loving it, so they are, and kids are getting, like, the kids that who are, like, really younger, like, actually really old, like, I see some kids, and they've got, like, five extra years on them, but they're not even that age, do you know what I mean? Like, you look at a seven-year-old, and they could be a fucking... Uh, my math's going to be really bad here, like a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird, like, whenever you look at kids nowadays. Um, but yeah, fuck me, going off on tangent again. Um, <laughs> do this all the time. Uh, so, cool, so you you done this sort of musical. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask you, who was, uh, who, who were you playing in Greece? Um, I was understudied for Frenchie, and then I was just part of the ensemble, then one of the dancers. That was so cool. <laughs> I haven't watched this in years. It's fucking brilliant. Um, and then, so after you done the, uh, after you done like sort of plays, is that whenever you were starting to come into uni then? Um, yeah, so 
I I did the dance course um, just out of Leaving Cert. Uh, so I went straight from Leaving Cert to the da- that dance course. And, like, I had done my CEO, you know, and put courses down for college. And the I never thought I'd use it because I was so sure mm-hmm. that I would be going to London. And I only put three things on my CEO. I just put nursing down in three different places. That was it. Mm-hmm. And thank God that it worked out and I actually got offered because I um, deferred the course for a year. Okay. So when I did get offered a course, I was like, look, I'll defer it just in case. And yeah, thank God, <laughs> because I ended up using it then after that and going to uh, the University of Limerick uh, wow. to do intellectual disability nursing is what I originally trained in. So what's that? Is that like, uh, is that people who have like mental health problems or... What's that? Um, it's mostly for people with, um, like a learning disability. Oh, right. Okay. So anything, autism, uh, Down syndrome, I mean, there are many, many others, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, people with an intellectual disability like that, and we were caring for them in residential care. Oh, right. Okay. Cool. So how long was that? Was that four or five years you had to do that? That was, it was four years. Um, kind of nearly four and a half when you add the internship and placement and stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah and is it uh whenever you were doing that did you like did you have to do like a, a placement year like at a, like a, a residential home or something like that or, or so no, we actually had placements uh from the very beginning so you start in the september and i think your first placement's in november mm-hmm. And then you do placements throughout your whole four years and then you finish off with like a really long placement. Yeah. Um, but we were, yeah, it was mostly residential uh, homes and it was fabulous. I loved loved the four years of it, to be honest. That's class. And so whenever it's like residential homes, I don't know if I'm getting confused, but was that like you were actually going in the people's houses or was it like an actual like care home for like... Oh, I get you. Sorry, yeah. And so it was actually, it was a care home. So Mm -hmm. this was a care home within a facility and there would be no more really than six residents in a house. Ah, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it was their homes. It's where they live. Yeah, of course. That's amazing. I would love to like volunteer or do something like that. Um, Because I remember Emma done it. She, whenever we were living in Belfast, she went and done uh care she was doing uh like care working for her tech sort of like a b tech sort of thing so i don't know if it's like sort of like a foundation yeah. degree I, I actually don't know what it was but she was like training to be that and uh she went to i think she went to a couple of care homes but she went to one in particular and that's when she just knew she she couldn't do it Um she said that it was uh some of the things that like happened there was very like traumatic for her so she was just like no I'm not doing it and there is one story but I don't want yeah. to get in trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> look intellectual disability can be um it can be very difficult no two people with an intellectual disability whether it be a different intellectual disability to each other or the same intellectual disability like no two people with autism no two people with Down syndrome are the same mm-hmm. and they all come just like no two people are the same yeah they all come with you know many many different characteristics and different personalities so 
it's the nur- a lot of the nursing there is about understanding the patient and or not the patient sorry the resident mm-hmm. and you know adapting a different approach to communication a lot of um the residents that we worked with were nonverbal and it's not that they can't communicate it's just they communicate in a very very different way to us mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be with expressing behaviors that challenge and you know maybe aggressive behavior and it's just because you know maybe they haven't been able to communicate what they really want to say and it you know causes frustration so it's definitely a type of nursing where you know you go in with a very very open mind and you you know obviously we go in and you want the best for the resident that you're uh that you're nursing but it does require a lot of patience and a lot of just accepting that the normal ways of communication that we consider normal aren't normal for them yeah and do you deal with uh whenever you were doing that were you dealing with like uh people of all ages or was it a certain group um all ages in residential care we had no one under the age of 18 i don't think um but yeah mostly mostly adults yeah I don't know if I could do that job. Like emotionally, I'd just be fucked. Like especially like if you like grew like a relationship with one of them as well, and um, oh, it would just be mind blowing. I'm sure you probably had that. Yeah, definitely. Like you do develop because you know, in especially when you're working in a residential area you're going in and meeting the same people every day mm-hmm. and the same residents every day and you become very attached yeah. yeah I mean they all you know have something to offer and what a person that maybe doesn't speak and you know doesn't hear doesn't mean that they don't have something to say and something to share mm-hmm. and doesn't mean that they don't have a purpose because I know that every resident that I've been with you know, you remember something about them. Yeah. <laughs> one has such a character when they're cheeky, when they have a great sense of humour. And it's funny when you say sometimes, oh, you know, they have a great sense of humour. Some people's reaction is, well, they can't speak, so how do you know? And it's just about getting that connection yeah. and just accepting any level, you know. Yeah. I hear people like that, though, as well. Like, people who are obviously, like, in societal terms, they're normal and they'll like pass judgment onto like someone like that. Like they can obviously still like experience like the emotion of like laughing or like they'll have like that humor about Absolutely. them. And if they can't even talk, like they could even like make sort of like uh, gestures or something to like that would make you laugh. Do you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I hate when people are ignorant like that. I actually, whenever I was younger, um, I don't know why this story just came into my head, but um, whenever I was very young, like I must have been about five or six, and um, I was in Point Stretcher uh, back in Antrim, and uh, I seen this care worker and this um, disabled man. I think he might have had, looking back at it now, like I can remember it like clear as day, and like obviously I have knowledge now of like um, what like cerebral palsy is, so I think that he might have had cerebral yeah. palsy. I remember laughing at him and, but it was because I was six years old. So like, obviously kids, they're fucking stupid. You, you laugh at anything, but I remember laughing at him. And then I remember my mom, she turned around and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? And she was like, you don't laugh at people like that. And then, then obviously knew it was bad. And, um, but 
obviously you, you grow out of that whenever you like you, you grow up like you're not going to be a dickhead child for the rest of your life but there's some people who you know, <laughs> there's some people who like would still like make fun of like people with disability and it's fucking disgusting oh there is and look you'll meet people who just refuse to accept anyone that is different to the norm that they accept mm-hmm. um, and you will find people like that but it is just about you know education of people yeah. with intellectual disabilities that their their minds and their emotions are no different to anyone you meet in the street and mm. it, it is about you know teaching that from a child's age being mm. like this person that's in your class that may seem a bit different to you yes they are different but they only are different because of maybe their communication mm. or they don't you know understand things as quickly as you do but it's just by taking time and teaching kids, you know, patience and acceptance for anyone, you know, no matter what their intellect may be. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's 100%, uh, right? Like, I think you, you do need to teach kids at a young age, um, about this, these certain topics. But I mean, I don't know what's up with the teaching system. It's pretty fucked. Like, they don't want to teach kids, like, real life shit. They just rather keep them in a bubble and pass them off to uni and get in a uni debt and then work in a <laughs> shitty nine to five job in an office and just keep them in the system. Whereas I know my kids, I'm going to be telling them everything. Like, whenever mommy and daddy are having sex, I'm going to go into detail. No, am I joking? I'm not. That's just. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? What are you gonna do? There's actually, I actually seen a weird fucking story on Instagram. There's it's like a, someone called the cops. <laughs> I know that's child abuse. Um, there's a weird, there was a weird story I seen on Instagram. There was a guy who, it was so weird. Like so, I, obviously, like I came from like a uh, a family where, um, like it was like the household wasn't bad or anything like that. Mum and dad got separated, they divorced, they had arguments, but like I would like to think that I sort of came up in a loving household and uh uh that wouldn't be the uh case now. But uh, we didn't like I, I knew some families who like like kissed each other before like they left and stuff like that. Like so they would have like kissed each other like on cheeks, like even like the dad and son and all and I was just like, Oh, okay, that's weird. I've never I've never seen that before. Um but there was this one thing that I seen on Instagram that really freaked me out. So this guy w- was like, he would have been like kissing his like mom on the lips. Like, but, like he would have been like, like 30 and like she obviously would have been old and like the dad as well. He like, would have been kissing on the lips and then kiss- kissing him on the cheek before they left. I was here bullshit. Um, but they would have actually like whenever they were having sex in the house, whenever that kid was growing up, they like, would have told him that like they were having sex. Like it was so weird. <laughs> I was just like, oh my how God. fucking awkward would that be? But now that kid is like growing up and like he's just like, obviously like he's just accepted. Like, like say they're all around for fucking like Christmas and yeah, mum and dad are just upstairs <laughs> banging on each other. Like I just, <laughs> some things should be fucking some, kept quiet. Some things just need to be kept private <laughs> don't they they really do like I, I wish like it was like do you know whenever you go on a rabbit hole like on uh, like on YouTube or Instagram you just keep on scrolling yeah. and scrolling and then you see like and a funny video watch exactly like and then I just start watching it. I think it might have been like on Lad Bible or something because like they always do like a uh, mini docu uh, like a documentary for like 10 minutes and I was like watching it and I was just like what the fuck is going on like this is so weird like the people are actually <laughs> like that like I cannot like imagine saying that to my child just like just a way to plow your mum and yeah just 
I'll make you dinner God, after I'm done. I hope you wouldn't say it like that if we did. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Um, all right. Anyway, so <laughs> so you, you done after you finished uh, uni? Um, you finished. You done everything in uh, Limerick. Did, where did you go after Limerick then? So uh, I finished college and graduated in January of 2018 and I moved to Australia in February 2018. Oh well, very quick then. Yeah, it was a quick turnaround (laughs) from college but we, myself and Billy, my partner had been planning it with a year Mm -hmm. if not more so we were very ready at that stage, we were excited to go. Oh that's brilliant and uh, was it, like what, what made you come to Australia? Um, I think we had, so Billy was finished college a year previous to me because I took the year and did the dance course and we had been in the same year before that. Uh, he took a job, just like a temporary job for a year and when he had finished college first he was like, right, what do you think we're doing? Like, should I get like a proper job or do I get a job to tide me over for the year? Like, what's our plan? Yeah. And we had said that we wanted to travel. And Billy's extremely laid back, laid back. And one day I had just said to him, I was like, do you ever think about moving to Australia? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and from there we started planning <laughs> to go. And it was just all of a sudden it was happening. So, but we, as I said, we knew we were going up to a year or more beforehand. So we were very prepared at the stage when we did go. That's amazing. It's uh, it's weird whenever you like you hear people like just like jumping, like jumping ship and just going straight over to the other side of the world. And um, I couldn't do it. <laughs> could you do it by yourself? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. I need someone like to feel like uh, accountable for, but also feel account- accountable to as well. If you know what I mean. Um. Absolutely. Yeah, like you couldn't, like I couldn't just imagine, like I didn't plan anything, Emma planned everything, which was great for me, so I was just going to free ride, <laughs> had to pay for it though, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like I, I'm just, I'm the exact same as uh, Billy, I would have just been so laid back, just chill, just been like, okay, where are we going next, What what's going on, like I don't mind what we do, um, like what influenced us to come over, like we just thought that like back in Ireland, like there was there was like fuck all there. Like for us, like jobs weren't really great. Um don't get me wrong, the job I was in before I left, I loved it. Like I actually loved the work. Um mm-hmm. but I just sort of felt like if me and Emma like obviously me and Emma are serious been together eight years, but um like if we were gonna have children, I don't think I would want to raise them in uh like Belfast or in Ireland. Um it's a lovely country. Like I, I like going back back there to visit. We visited it last year. Like it's amazing. Like doing loads of like different things and like, um, like just the greenness and like the mountainness of it. It's it's really nice. I I, I love it. But I, I feel like for like actual living there, like you're just not gonna be, like you're not gonna have that like fullest happiness. If you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Like the thing is, we definitely didn't plan to be here as long as we are at the moment like when I left I I say the longest I'd been away from home was like a month and I was such a home bird mm-hmm. like if you ask anyone of my friends anyone of my family like a lot of my mother was convinced that I would go in February and be home by April oh, really? like so many people were convinced of that that I would only be here a few months yeah and 
I surprised myself, I think. I didn't think I'd be here longer than a few months. Um, I thought, look, I'll go over, I'll try it, we'll get the year visa. And over two and a half years later now, we're still here. So That's amazing. I, uh, I Actually, I don't know what it is about Irish people, but they... I bet you every single Irish person who's came out here, someone who's close to them has turned around and said, you are definitely going to be coming back. Like, isn't it weird <laughs> that they, they say that? I don't know if they mean it like in a malicious way or if they mean it like just for the sake of saying it or like they're actually being truthful. But I know there was a guy who said to me, oh, you'll be back in a year's time. And I was just like, you don't even know me. Like, why the fuck are you saying that? Like, do, do you just think like, I'm not going to like do well for myself out there or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, it's weird. I know what you mean. Um, but I, I'm sure everyone feels like that. Who's like came from I'm probably different countries as well. Like I know Ireland's not unique. Um, but yeah. Well, I think that them saying it to me was well warranted anyway. They knew me and the way I was, and the way yeah. I was about being at home. Oh, like there's, there's no way I would have taught myself. Like when people were saying, Oh, you'll probably be home in a few months. I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm <laughs> kind of like a homebrew too. That. Yeah, it's, it's fucking like, whenever, my first couple of months when I came here, it was, uh, it was very challenging. Uh, like, not being like around like your friends and stuff like that. And, uh, just like the home comforts of things. But then obviously you, you just get fucking used to it. Um, but I'm sure you're probably like mine and, like me and Emma, like we had like sort of like breakdowns, like coming out over here. <laughs> Oh, definitely. <laughs> There's been many a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you do farm work coming over here? We did. We did farm work. Uh, so we were here six months and Billy's sister uh, was getting married in August. So we did go home after six months and visited. And then when we came back, we went straight into farm work. Uh, so we were on a dairy farm, milking oh. cows and herding cows uh, for three and a half months. That's crazy. And uh, whereabouts was it? That was in New South Wales. It was five hours west of Sydney in a little place called Gulagong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the names of towns here are hilarious, aren't they? They're brilliant. Even when we were coming back into the airport, you know the way on your card you have to write your address? Yeah. So we wrote that and the guy that was uh, at the passport control looked at it and he goes, where the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That's your first reaction, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, that was my reaction, and I'm not even Australian, so that was his reaction. It must have been pretty random. That is fucking hilarious. They are unique <laughs> names, like Nusa and, like, Kerbilly and, like... But it's weird, because whenever I see... Like, if I'm walking down the street, like, in Sydney, like, there's some street names that I haven't noticed before, but they're actually from back, like, in Belfast. Like, there's the Castleway, Castle Ray Road, and it was in Belfast, East Belfast. And then there's one here in Sydney as well. And, like, whenever you see it, it's just like, what the fuck, isn't it weird? Like, obviously, because fucking the British were over here, so that's probably why there's, like, loads of... Well, I, I really can't say much, because I come from a place called Chupa House, so... What's it called? <laughs> two pot house. Two pot house. Yeah, <laughs> all one word though. Oh my god, and that's in Cork. It's a village. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so random. That that is random. I know. Two pot house. So I really can't comment on any uh, any weird place things. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's kind of it's it's unique though as well like which, which is great like whenever you hear those uh those funny words um yeah um i've lost my train of thought what, what were we talking about there oh yeah you've done the farm work right so you're doing the dairy farm that's right yeah um and yeah have you have you ever, you've never been on a farm before in ireland not a farmer. Yeah, fuck that, neither was I. Was it weird? Like, were you milking the cows or what were you doing? We were milking. Like, it's a, it's a huge farm that we were on. I think they had 6,000 cows oh, wow. on that farm. Um, yeah, it was insane. And, uh, yeah, we were just milking. And then I actually, <laughs> I'm so in, uh, injury prone. I actually dislocated my shoulder on the farm. Fucking hell. Um, How many bones have you broke? <laughs> <laughs> You're made of glass. <laughs> I'm not, I swear. <laughs> um, but, so I was working in the office for a little while, but after that then I went and did, um, it was called cow pushing, which is just herding the cows mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the parlour. So yeah, look, it was, it, it was something that we did and we'll never have the chance to do again. You yeah. know what I mean? It was definitely an experience, but, we had a great laugh on the farm. Made so many friends. It was one of the best things we ever did. That's brilliant. Sorry, Emma just came back. She's got the goods. She's got the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, now that's fucking that's that's insane. Um, what was it like? Uh, what was it like whenever you were actually like milking the cow? Though I just we get so gross at like touching like a teat. Oh, nothing that you get over that fairly fast when there's shit flying at you left, right and centre, like. Oh, yeah, right enough, I know, fucking hell. And was there, like, a lot of, like, <laughs> insects, like, around the cows as well? Um, no, not necessarily, actually. There's, we didn't notice much of that. Yeah. Um, but we were, you know, we were treated well, like, it was, you know, it was grand farm. We had our, our, uh, there was a main house and then there was little, like, what they called dongas. They were, like, little, um kind of like a mobile home okay. and uh, we were in them around the farm as well but we're like there's 35 backpackers at any one stage on the farm we had a great time like we had a ball <laughs> that's amazing and so that's what I was going to say obviously you didn't stay in a hostel um, so was it like sort of like a family sort of like vibe whenever you were with the other backpackers oh yeah it was great crack like we were in each other's pockets Every day, you know, working together, yeah, uh, living together. But we had great fun. That's amazing. You meet some amazing people. Like you meet people from all different, you know, walks of life. And it was yeah. mostly Irish at the time. There was some English, and then at one stage, there was like over fifty percent of us were from Cork. Oh, <laughs> so we had a bit of a. Well, that's good. It makes it, it easier good. though, then, doesn't it? Whenever you're going through the fucking shit work, and you just have that sort of, like, home comfort around you, if there's people from Cork. Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't have done it without it. I don't. I honestly don't know how I would have done it without the people there. Like, it was so hard. Yeah. And you, um, you lived on the farm. Sorry? You lived on the farm. Yeah, we lived on the farm. That's insane. And was your uh, farmer, was he, uh, was he, like, strict with you, or did he just let you do whatever he's want, like, drinking terms? Oh, like, <laughs> there was, it's, it's a big company, like this farm, so they were, we were kind of just a, like a little bit away from the like main farm area, so we did, yeah. we had our nice drinking and everything like that, there's no problems there. <laughs> yeah, well that's good, um, Yeah, I remember at our hostel, our, it was like a school, like we were treated like kids, 
we oh like, really yeah it was horrible like we weren't like to drink past like a certain time and like if there was like lo- loud noise it's because so our hostel was like on a main road but behind the main road there was like a residential area but like they were partying all the time as well but like on saturday night like they were shutting us down at 10 o'clock at night and we were like that's that's fucked like what what do you want us to do like there was a nightclub and people did go to the nightclub and um, but like it was just it, it was so annoying they really did treat you like school but it was kind of cool in a way because uh-huh. you like <laughs> you felt like you were like rebelling against someone so like whenever they came around to turn off the music breaking the rules yeah exactly yeah like you, you felt like the headmaster was coming for you you were just like shouting back like oh fuck off like and like you just keep on playing the music it was brilliant um <laughs> i really love that I, I actually feel sorry for people who don't uh who don't do the farm work because they're missing the experience 100 percent, and like while it's so difficult and obviously no one when you're living in the city and stuff no one wants to go out to a farm and yeah. you know take all those comforts away but it's definitely i feel if we had our time over again and like no regrets or anything like that but i would go and do my farm work the minute i came to australia yeah because you you all your money saved you're going to pay for your you've nowhere to spend it mm-hmm. and you're making all of these connections and all these amazing friends that you have like a group to go back with yeah. you know when you do decide what city you go to so anyone listening that is coming to australia do your farm work first <laughs> yeah exactly get the i feel like if you do it by yourself as well it's probably different if you're a couple but um if you're well no not really like i mean if you know people in australia it's good to um people probably don't think they need to do the farm work like straight away but like if you don't know anyone it's probably a good way to start because you just make all your friends there don't you 100 percent, the best way to make friends absolutely yeah exactly it's fucking it's good so like on the weekends would you have like done like trips to like sydney then because you're only like five hours away or what would you just have done like on weekends um no we didn't weekends go to the pub (laughs) and uh yeah, I mean, look, there wasn't much around. We'd go into the town, do our shopping, but, like, the farm was continuous, like, 24-7. Like, the farm never stopped running. Oh, okay. So, like, the parlour, ne- they never stopped milking in the parlour. So, we were all on, like, around the clock shift. So, yeah. it was a bit different. Was there, was the slaughter, I- I'm asking really weird questions, I know, but was there a slaughterhouse on the farm? <laughs> no, no, there wasn't. There wasn't, no. So how did they, how did they do Did they just ship off, like, the cows, like, whenever they've reached their age to, or what was it like? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. No. I don't think I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, that's too sensitive a question, especially for all the vegans listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I just always wondered how it worked, because I know there's some farms where they have the slaughterhouse there on the farm, but it sort of depends what sort of farmer you are as well. Like, you could just, like, be using the cows for milk or... Um, yeah, or, yeah. Or for me. No, this was definitely strictly dairy anyway. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, okay, cool. So then whenever you came out of the farm work, did you go straight to Sydney mm-hmm. or Melbourne? Uh, when we left the farm, we actually went traveling Southeast Asia for two months. Oh, wow. So we did, uh, what did we do? We did a week in Bali, three weeks in Vietnam, uh, a month in Thailand, and then finished off three weeks in Vietnam, and then came back to Melbourne. Oh wow, that's amazing! And uh, it, Southeast Asia is fucking—it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, amazing. We loved it. What was your favorite place? Oh, Vietnam, without a doubt. Yeah, it was unbelievable. We just, and there's a 
a small little village that we were in um, near the south called Hoi An and we went there and like it's so untouched by western culture like you're mm-hmm. hard pressed to find someone that speaks English yeah um and it's just really really quaint and old and oh my favorite place I would have stayed there forever <laughs> unreal I, I really want to do Vietnam I, I'm like a history nerd so um I, I wanted to ask you a question um was there like much to do with like the Vietnam War? Was there like loads of like memorials or anything like that? Did you see anything like that, or was um, there was memorials and stuff definitely, and like on any of the tours and stuff, they would talk about it, but um, no more than anywhere else I felt mm-hmm. anyway. But maybe I just didn't see the Paris, but yeah, yeah. There's a uh, bridge in Viet. I think it's in Vietnam where it's like the two hands are like that and they're gold. We have an awful story about that. Oh, really? <laughs> so, we uh, went to a place called, I think it's called Hue. Mm-hmm. H-U-E is the name of it. And we got, um, we rented, like, motorbikes. And these drivers came. And we did the high band pass down to uh, Hoi An. Mm-hmm. And um, we asked them, could we stop at that bridge? Yeah. But it. Our, most of our bicycle rides, and you wouldn't tell by the pictures because we took the pictures when it stopped raining, but I have never seen rain like it oh, when really? we did these motorbike rides. So we actually got to the um, bridge with the hands, I can't even remember the name of it now, yeah. and we went up to buy our tickets and it is quite expensive to go in there. Okay. And they were like, oh, just to let you know, like, if you look at the screen up there, that's what you can see. And you couldn't see the bridge. Oh, really? <laughs> it was just surrounded by clouds. And they were like, oh, look, just letting you know, when you go on the bridge, you won't be able to see anything. Like, there, it will be no different to walking across a normal bridge. <laughs> so we were like, mm. right, so we'll have to just come back. That is so fucked. Yeah, it's quite high up, isn't it? Yeah. That's insane. I, uh, that would do my tits in, like, as soon as, like, uh, what you said it was quite expensive as well to, like, get to, like, the viewpoint. Yeah, so we, we, you go to, like, the start of it and then you have to pay to go in. Yeah. But, uh, they were like, oh, just before you pay, like, just make sure you look and see that that's all you can see. Mm. And I wanted to go in anyway, and Billy was like, Amy, that's not why. It's like, you know, <laughs> they've said themselves that you can't see anything. I was like, fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be so annoying. I would hate that. Like, and especially them, like, giving you the disclaimer as well, like, saying, oh, yeah, you're not going to see anything. Yeah, but you've took my money already, so that's good. Oh, we hadn't paid yet. We hadn't. Oh, paid you didn't? Yet. Oh, right, okay, okay. Well, that's not too bad then. <laughs> yeah, no, in fairness. So. Um, but yeah, it was. We saw a lot of other things, so yeah, exactly. We won't worry about that one. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, me and Emma just went to Thailand and Singapore, so we haven't done uh, Vietnam or uh, Bali. Um, Emma keeps on going on about Laos as well. She really wants to do there. Um, yeah, that's one on, on our list as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like you said though. Like most people don't really like go to it. Well, I I don't know, but like most people that I follow online, like I haven't really seen many people going to like the likes of like Laos. Um, or like Cambodia or anything like that. Um, but whenever you do see people going there, some of the pictures are crazy. It just looks like it's been amazing. untouched. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you came back to Melbourne and how long was it before you uh, applied for the nursing job then? Um, so I was actually working with my agency that I'm with uh, 
since I moved to Sydney. So I started working with them in Sydney and then I moved down to Melbourne. And then I was working with them all year and it was coming up to the end of our second year visa and we knew that we just didn't want to leave yet. So we asked them um, if it was possible that we could get sponsorship with them and they said, yeah. So we're sponsored with them at the moment and have another... So our visa, I don't think, is up until February 2023. So oh wow, brilliant! We'll see. We'll see after that. <laughs> That's amazing. So, like the agency, actually, oh, but it's different, isn't it? Like the agency, because I know the agency that I'm, I used to be with, and um, like I was with so many, they were just got me like stupid sort of jobs, like here and there. But obviously, a nursing agencies, like the actual like company, yeah, it's a bit isn't different. It? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's insane that they just give you it straight away. So, sorry, I, I wasn't really paying attention. Did you ask I them for it? I had interview and everything like that. Oh, right. Okay, okay, cool. And uh, so with the visa, did they say that they would sponsor you or did you just say, listen, we want to stay here longer? Or I, do, I approached them and just asked them and they said, yeah, if it's something you're interested in, we can do the interview process and yeah, it worked it. That's so, that's, that's fucking class. Um I've been trying to, like, whenever me and Emma were um, in certain different jobs, I was asking them to get sponsored and they just, they just didn't even, like, pay attention to it. They're just like, yeah, fuck you. You're just a backpacker. We don't care. Which is a bit annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is really annoying. He again referred to as a backpacker, but I suppose that's probably what I am. Uh, I know. <laughs> do you still get referred to a backpacker or do you feel like you're? Um, no, I don't think so, actually. No, that's good. I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sort of you're 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 part of the furniture now. Um, so whenever you so how so whenever you went and uh got the interview for uh the sponsorship all out there, um, wh- when was this? Was this last year? This was uh yeah, it was some at some stage last year, probably around this time last year was when I approached them, um, and did the interview and stuff, and then. We got the visa in March okay. of this year. And was it the exact same thing that you had trained for back in Ireland, like you were doing, like working with disabled people? Um, so over here, when I first moved over here, um, intellectual disability nursing didn't seem to actually be an, a type of nursing that they do here. Okay. Um, a lot of the residential uh, intellectual disability services seem to be more led by social care. Okay. Um, so yeah, it kind of left me at like, kind of, what do I go from here, you know? Yeah. So I did start doing a bit of aged care nursing, um, working in some aged care facilities, um, which was great. And then I moved on to some home care, some community home care. So, um, nursing someone in their home. Mm -hmm. And then when I came down to Melbourne, I started to kind of go into some mental health nursing as well, which, um, I, gained a lot of experience and since and it's something that is very close to my heart. I absolutely love it now. Yeah. Um, but to, I think to work as that back in Ireland, I'm going to have to go do a postgrad um, right. in mental health. So it's something that I might do. I might consider doing that um, yeah. because, yeah, the mental health nursing is something that I really have found a lot for. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, the mental health nursing, that would be, very challenging, I, I would assume, uh, if you're working with people who obviously got the mental health problems. And um, do you sort of work in like a? Would that be like a psychiatric ward or something like that? Then that you would be stationed yeah. at, yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. um, 
how, I don't, I sort of like want to ask you questions, but I don't know like how much you're allowed to give away. <laughs> um, I'll answer, I'll answer what I can. Yeah. Just for everyone listening as well. Um, obviously there's the confidentiality. I mean, you were speaking about this beforehand on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, if I'm like asking some questions, like just tell me to fuck up Nathan and, um, I'll shut up and <laughs> I won't oh, uh, talk no about worries. it. <laughs> um, so obviously like the place where you're like based in uh, Melbourne, like what was like your sort of first thoughts then whenever you went into like the psychiatric ward? Um, so I've been to a lot of different psychiatric wards and they, they do vary definitely. Um, I mean, this private is very different to public um, because obviously private mental health, the person is paying to be there and, you know, they have private health insurance and a lot of them, most of them want to be there. Whereas in public, some people have to be there. Um, so you can get varying degrees of, you know, someone who's there is because they have made the decision to change their mental health and, um, accept some help. And then you have the other side of the coin where there are people there that haven't yet accepted that they need help. So mm-hmm. yeah, it can be a very, very different experience, <laughs> um, yeah. depending on the ward that you go to and, and the people that you meet that day. Yeah. There was a, I had a girl on, uh, <laughs> I had a girl on who was, uh, Emma's just uh, has the tap on in the background. She's <laughs> just mining to me, sorry. <laughs> Get out of here, Emma. <laughs> um, sound really cold you there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, you did I know, then I was like, Get out of there, Emma. Get out of there, babe. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a Belfast, a tiny, supposedly. Uh, yeah, I had a girl on last week, Katarini. I don't know if you've uh, seen it or if you've listened to some parts of the podcast, but. She has bipolar and she was saying that she, she, she was so open. She was so brave talking about everything. Um, she's a really lovely girl, but she was, uh, saying that she like had this sense of urgency where she felt like she could save the world. And, uh, she didn't know like what she was doing, but she like had to like save the world. And I was just like, fuck, I can't like grasp this around my head whenever she's talking about this. But like, I could obviously see why. If a doctor was like evaluating her, that they would want to keep her in a sort of, um, like a confined space with like surveillance because she could be like, oh, I'm going to save the world. She could go to like a fucking like gang or something and like start on them and just like use her doing bad things to the world. I'm going to bring you down or something like that there. Or she could go to like a drug dealer and be like, I'm going to bring you down because you're hurting the world or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, I sort of understand where the doctors come from, but she was explaining like involuntary and voluntary. Um, uh, how, how do you call it? Like sort of stay at a psychiatric ward. I don't know what the actual term is. Yeah. So there were people, some people would voluntarily be there and there was some people then that would be on a treatment order, which is, um, where they are there because a higher person has decided that they need to be there for their safety and the safety of other people. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, like, I haven't been into a psychiatric ward before. Um, hopefully I don't have to go into one. But uh, with uh, is it the same as, like, what you would see on, like, movies? Or is the movies obviously just so dramatic? Yeah, movies about psychiatric ward are extremely dramatic. Um, there's, you know, you walk into the psychiatric ward and the, the people there are just like you and me that yeah. are having a conversation here. Um, they just, 
some are more ill than others and some are more obviously ill than others and when I say obvious I mean it's you know straight away from speaking to them and Mm. that is because they are in a moment where their mental health is the best and they are well and then there are people that you would never think that there's something going on so Mm -hmm. it's just like anyone you meet on the street you know what I mean yeah exactly um and and the thing is people that are in there are you know they're going through some of the darkest days of their life and I think there's definitely a cause to be very very mindful when you go in and you're speaking to someone that is in residential or that is on a ward for you know um their deterioration mental health um especially with people who are having things like delusions and um you know hearing voices the one thing to remember is that no matter how silly or unrealistic it might sound to you if that person believes it it is extremely real to them Mm -hmm. um just like that girl that you said that's so brave to speak about some of the delusions that she had that you know she was saying she thought she could save the world to her in that moment she fully believed that that was the reason that she was doing these things and and so many of them and it is you know it can be frightening to hear these words that they're saying and that a lot of the time they can sound so irrational and it's very easy for people to just brush them off and say oh don't be ridiculous but Mm -hmm. you have to remember like that to them that is so so real just as it's me or it's real for me to touch this table or you know what I mean yeah it's a I actually like it's really cool that like you're you're talking about it like and I'm sort of like thankful that like there's people like you who obviously do that kind of work and keeping people who are like a harm to themselves and obviously a harm to um others uh I, I want to ask this question is there like a certain like part of psychiatric ward that would be like closed off to the likes of yourself and like um there would be like more experienced nurses or doctors that would like deal with like more vulnerable sort of um, um patients there's always a high dependency unit on uh, a psychiatric ward um sometimes uh the nurse that we would we would come in and there would be two people or three people allocated let's say to this ward and there might be a smaller number of beds in that ward Mm -hmm. and those would be for people who require a higher amount of care and um are maybe are displaying things like aggression and things like that and that just need to be helped in a different way and it's not to keep them locked in there it's reviewed all the time Mm -hmm. um how long they should be in there and i mean the second that they feel that they're well enough to move on to a different ward, then that is done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there definitely, there has to be parts of the ward, just like there would be, um, an ICU for people who are yeah. more acutely sick. There's the same in mental health for people who are experiencing, um, higher levels of, um, severity of mental health issues. Okay. And is, uh, another question I wanted to ask was, cause I don't know if it's real or not. Anyone that, that's like watch movies obviously that's what their first perception is going to be of like whenever you hear like a psychiatric ward or like a mental like institution um is there like is there like those sort of rooms where like they're all padded and like they have like the straight jackets or is that just bullshit no i've never seen a straight jacket in my life (laughs) really i know that's crazy um no never um i mean restraint is used only in the highest need of circumstances and mm-hmm. that is when 
there is you have done everything else and the person is still becoming a danger to themselves yeah. and even then I I haven't seen anything remotely um, related to straight jackets. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, and look, scary. The movies and stuff, I mean, that is where a lot of us get our information of things that we haven't ever experienced is yeah. seeing it in movies. And I guess a lot of the time as well, it's part of the problem because that's what gets the psychiatric units and mental health units such a stigma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's a, it's a, it's very, it's like a really sensitive subject and obviously like if you're not like taught like about it or if you don't do your own sort yeah. of real research that's what you're gonna um that's what you're gonna take from like the movies uh absolutely yeah like i'm thinking of like shutter island and like fucking the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest like or like <laughs> and that and that is what everyone thinks of and it's yeah. just you know there were there definitely was a time when it was like that yeah um or you know near enough to that but right now i can confirm that is definitely not the case <laughs> well that's good um <laughs> i wouldn't like to think that because like there's some there was some weird shit like that you would see like in those movies and like like i have like researched as well like i know like some things that did happen in like the psychiatric court especially in america like like lobotomies like taking out people's like pieces of their brain and like shock therapy and like that's fucking insane that they would do that like you obviously wouldn't well shock Shock therapy is still very widely used. Um, oh, really? Not so much in Ireland, but it's widely used in Australia. Yeah, I've worked Holy in. Um, yeah, I've worked in it uh, for a good few months last year, and yeah, it's extremely interesting in used in the right, um, you know, situation. And obviously, when it's uh, it's used as a last resort, yeah. I have seen patients, and it's been extremely effective. Is that scary though for you? Like when you see it. Um, to be honest, the person is under general anaesthetic and they also have, uh, used muscle relaxants. Okay. So the person doesn't have a full shaking or anything like that, like yeah. you see in the movies. And they don't remember any of it when they wake up. They don't feel anything. Okay. Do you use, like, would any of the patients use, uh, medicinal, like marijuana or anything like that? Um, not that I've seen over here anyway. No. That's probably no. more of like an American thing. They might do that. Yeah, I think, I guess it depends on where it's legalised yeah, um, medicinally, but no, I haven't seen it, to be honest. Yeah, I just thought that probably would have helped, like, someone, because I know, like, there's people who, like, uh, especially, like, if we're going back to, like, what you did in Ireland, like, cer- like people who have cerebral palsy, like, I've seen, like, the effects of, like, marijuana on people with that, and, like, relaxes them so much, like, it's insane. But it's sort of, like, one of those new things. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of research backing it up, you know, yeah. um, but obviously, to the discretion of the government, you know, yeah. how they feel it too. Yeah, it's like just this big massive sort of stigma about it. Actually, I listen a lot to Joe Rogan and he was, uh, he's fucking, he loves drugs, like DMT and fucking uh, marijuana and weed, all their shit. But he was like saying about like the person who uh, criminalized marijuana, it was something to do with uh, money at the time and that's why it's got this big massive stigma uh, like against marijuana um, which is very interesting um, but yeah that's that's crazy um, I think we'll move on to the next topic that I wanted to speak to you about uh, <laughs> was the I know I keep on going off on uh, the sort of coronavirus and how your nursing's uh, like uh, been affected by that so you started your nursing this time uh, last year and then 
the coronavirus didn't come into play until sort of what, like March. Was there like a time yeah. whenever you use, like, because I know the coronavirus broke out in November in China. Did you ever yeah. get like briefed before it came to Australia that there may be a possibility of this spreading? No, absolutely not. No. Um, and the first time, you know, with the first lockdown here, there was definitely like, it felt nearly like we were ticking boxes, you know, mm. shutting things down, locking up. And I know that there was cases definitely, but I mean, I would, it was relatively COVID free. I, what I was seeing here, um, I was in work and we weren't going into every patient with PPE or anything like that. And none of my patients had COVID and yeah. it was all very well for a while. And then the second wave hit and honest to God, it was like flipped on its head. It was completely different yeah. than, than the first time around. That it's fucking crazy. Like some of the scenes that you've seen of like uh, the first responders, like it's it's kind of like uh, like the wartime sort of conditions, isn't it? Whenever you see like all the hospital beds being used and like people just like lying in like different like areas of the hospital, yeah. like, like uh, that's it like, is yeah, it is insane. Yeah, were you like? It must be like obviously like really hard on on yourself as well. Like seeing that was it. I'm trying to like word these questions like properly because <laughs> I keep on like stuttering um, on how to like sort of approach it. Um, so whenever obviously you like just got hit with like the bombshell, um, was it like was it like overwhelming whenever like you just seen like this influx yeah. of patients? Hundred percent. Like on the second, the day the second lockdown was announced. I had actually been working, uh, doing some testing at the lockdown towers that day in Melbourne and it was just one of the hardest days work and it was crazy, like there was all us nurses standing around in PPE, there was so many police and there was, you know, news cameras filming us walking from, you know, place to place and it honestly felt like a movie and yeah. then just before I left, one of the police told us that we were back in lockdown. Um, that it had just been announced and I just remember sitting in my car and being just like fuck this like mm. what is going on yeah you know it but, was it, it was crazy it was so nuts and like it must be like such a surreal like sort of experience for you as well because like you were probably just like still in like the um sort of like honeymoon period of like getting a job and like you're all happy and next thing all this shit just came out of nowhere ah uh, yeah well like I'd done the you know two years or whatever here and then this just I mean it's something that I don't think any of us expected um and definitely none none of us expected to be working right in it you know yeah. um and it's it's opened my eyes to a lot I've learned a lot in the last six months I've yeah. learned more than I ever thought I was uh, capable of learning I think yeah um but yeah it's been it, it's something that I don't think I'll ever forget and I don't think I'll meet anything like this experience in my nursing career. I really hope I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fucking, it's, it's very scary. And, um, were you like ever worried about like catch, like obviously you were worried about catching it yourself, but like what was your, like, your sort of thoughts like about like, fuck, you could actually get it? Like I remember the first patient that I nursed, um, and I think it was only like, 
two months ago now, but it just feels like a lifetime ago. Um, the first patient I nursed with COVID, and uh, I was in that patient's room, and they were coughing, and there is definitely a sense you're like, oh, whoa, you know, <laughs> this is what everyone's so afraid of. And yeah. there's definitely kind of, you know, you hear someone coughing on the train, and you're like, huh. Yeah, you go to the <laughs> other side of the train. <laughs> um, but it's a different, it's a different feeling when you're in the room with someone. And of course, like you're wearing all the, you know, correct PPE and everything mm. like that. But I mean, it's not bulletproof. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you're still thinking, oh, what if something gets somewhere or, you know, yeah. you just, cause you just don't know and you don't know how you're going to react. I mean, a lot of my colleagues that I'm working with at the moment have, have had COVID. So many of them. It's nearly more often you meet. In, you know, in the situations that I'm working in now, mm-hmm. it's often that you meet someone that has had COVID and that is over the other side of it. Fucking hell. And have you, have you ever got like freaked out? Have you ever had like any symptoms or have you just been clean the whole way through? Oh, like I've had seven tests. Tomorrow will be my seventh test. We're being tested really regularly in work at the moment. Yeah. Um, and like at the start, like it's very difficult. To, you know, you might wake up with a tickly throat, mm-hmm. and obviously, it's probably not. And at any other time, you would ignore it and go to work because it's just I have a tickle in my throat. Yeah. But with this and working with people with COVID every day, your first instinct is to go, "Oh, it must be." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it hasn't been as of yet. Such what it stays that way. Yeah, I know you're very lucky to have obviously dealing with those people like up close, and then uh, you haven't uh, you haven't caught anything. Hopefully, you don't and keep doing good work. Uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll, I'll keep doing my PPE right. Yeah, exactly. Like I'd be so like I've watched way too many movies. Like I, I would be thinking like like sort of like Chernobyl whenever they wear the big master like is it Hasman uh, suits and then Hasman suits yeah yeah and like I'd just be afraid like of walking past like a table and next thing like it just gets caught and next thing it's like open I'd be like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um yeah like there's definitely at the very start I would put on gloves and maybe like touch something and I'd be like oh my god are these dirty like, do I need to change my gloves now? Yeah. You know, and your the thoughts go through your head, but you just have to remember that you're trained, you know, yeah. we all got trained in PPE, and you're just like, calm down, you're doing everything right, and it's just about reminding yourself as well, like, before I go into the room and I put on my PPE, I do a little pat down to make sure, like, head to toe, so I look like I'm blessing myself, <laughs> and I do like, a little head to toe, like, make sure, right, I've my, you know, my uh, hat on, I yeah. have my visor on, my mask, down everything so I always find that a little good do a little pass <laughs> it's like you've got like a like a little lullaby like sort of nursery song like to go like you got yeah. right down there right there head, head shoulders <laughs> yeah <know>. exactly yeah <laughs> um, are you like would you be would you consider yourself like a germaphobe uh, no definitely not I mean I don't don't get me wrong I don't want to get anything and yeah. in work and especially the times we're in um you know I would have been careful before but you're nearly extra careful now you yeah. know um especially when you've the mask on and stuff and I go in and if I have my uh, whatever space I'm working in I'm cleaning it down but why yeah. you know um I mean look there is always a chance you're gonna get it yeah but 
if I'm as careful as possible, then there's nothing else I can do and I just have to accept that, you know, that there's always going to be a chance, I get it, there's always going to be a chance that I'm going to, you know, something is going to get in, but all I can do is my very best in what I'm trained in and hope that it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, and so what sort of job are you doing with the, like, coronavirus patients? Like, what are you actually, like, doing for them? So I'm in an aged care facility at the moment that has an outbreak and I'm just, like, some patients there are getting better at this stage and some obviously are up and down. I mean, we don't know yet the after effects of COVID and we still have patients, you know, sometimes that have a temperature 20 days later, you know. So it's it's very strange and it's very, um, it seems to be quite individual. Yeah. to the patient itself. Some patients are fine and others, you know, are are passing away and getting extremely ill. So yeah. you just don't know what way it's going to take a person. So it's just about, you know, monitoring them and attending to if they have a decline as fast as possible, you know. Yeah. And is it like, is there certain parts of the hospital that are obviously like, did you just have to like the management like have to separate like the sort of like any from like the uh, like I know they do it anyway, but like ho- like if someone like has coronavirus, do they go immediately to the any or is there like a certain like part of the hospital where they have to go? No, so unfortunately in Victoria because there was such a huge um crisis within aged care and within I mean there's so many facilities in Victoria now that have had outbreaks, um they just weren't able to be transferred to hospital so unfortunately these aid care facilities aren't made to deal with someone who has something that is extremely contagious and you contain it as best as you possibly can but given the facility and never being made to be that type of place it is very very hard to keep it as an isolated incident you know um they're sitting in dining rooms having dinner together and then that all happens and obviously that's not the case anymore but um that you know it can spread so so fast so it they do isolate them of course but you know it's sometimes it's too late it's already spread at that stage you know and what sort of um what would be the average sort of a patient that would like what would their time be in the hospital would it be like maybe like up to four weeks or do you know anyone that's been there like for a long period of time um it totally depends really um it they don't it doesn't necessarily mean if we send someone to hospital that they'll stay there for the full time that they have covid um they'll you know stay there until they feel that their symptoms are better to be managed um, and that can be managed back in the aged care facility. Right, okay. Um, I know the UK got, that's where like most of the deaths came from was the, the, uh, the elderly like homes, like the care homes, like mm-hmm. it just fucking ripped through. Um, my nan actually, she, she got coronavirus. She had to go in the hospital. Yeah, it's fucked. No way. Um, she, she caught it. We don't know how she caught it. Um, but she got put into, um, the hospital for a few weeks and, I remember like calling her and like it was just so like horrible like listening to her like obviously like it was nice like listening to her but like it was just like I just knew like she wasn't like the same sort of person like the chirpy sort of happy person that she is 
um, and she was just like very down and like she was like like I can't do anything like um, the food that they're giving me is not good don't have a TV and stuff like that um, I'm just like doing crosswords in Sudoku and I'm just like oh, so cute I wish I was there um, and uh, I know I do feel so sorry for them it must be so difficult to not just have anyone to talk to and have yeah. to stay in isolation and not see a family it must just be torture like yeah exactly i think that's a bit that would really hurt like the elderly people as well like people coming to see them like obviously like i know like we all need like human connection but I, i'm sure that like the younger generation can sort of they'll be all right like if they are by themselves but like th- those elderly people like who are by themselves and like maybe like they, they obviously don't work as well like their family come around to see them like every once in a while was like their life do you know what I mean and then that's just been taken away absolutely. from them absolutely it's fucking it's yeah it must be so so difficult and then you know we go in and we're trying to be you know their friends and someone to talk to as well because they don't have other people and you literally I go in and you just want to do anything for them like if yeah. they asked you you'd take them to the moon like you know if it yeah. would make them happy because you just you'd be so so sorry for them and you do think of them as your own as well, you know, yeah. you think of them as your own grandparents when you go into them and you're just like, God, you know, you'd hate to see someone you love in that situation and yeah. you hear the families and it's so difficult for them as well. So you are just trying to be a bit of a light behind all the PPE and stuff as yeah. well um, and just try and make them feel better as much as possible, as much as medically make them feel better, yeah. make their, you know, souls feel better as well and their mental health. And how is like obviously they have to eat like hospital food. I'm sure the like chefs aren't in PPE, are they? Like how how does that sort of work? No, 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 they wouldn't be. Um, yeah. I guess wearing masks and stuff, but yeah. uh, no, we would give out all the food then and stuff on the floor. Okay, and uh, what's the sort of youngest patient that you've seen? Um, so I'm in aged care, so most of mine are elderly. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen many young patients, to be honest. Okay. Um, have so you seen I the MA? Comments on that. <laughs> have you seen, like, sort of, like, any, like, like, because they're, they're trying to say, like, the, the news, like, I know, like, there's, there's so much shit going about, and they're trying to say that, like, um, it's really affecting, like, the, the elderly, but, like, um, Obviously, like, there's been cases where, um, there's been young people as well. But that's why I wanted to ask yeah. you, like, like, even, like, on, like, you going into the hospital, have you, like, seen, like, any... Yeah, like, I know some colleagues of mine that are younger than me, um, have had it and have been extremely sick with it. Like, they're okay now, but they're still suffering with, um, like, pain in their ribs, kind of, um feeling sore feelings when they're you know taking a really deep breath sometimes and things like that and they're definitely younger people 100% struggling yeah um with the virus just as much well maybe not just as much as the elderly but there I don't think it's something that should be brushed off as an older person's disease when it's really not yeah and is it like I haven't really like like read through like what the like obviously like it's just like Everyone says like the symptoms are like common cold and stuff and you should go get checked out. But whenever you actually have like the coronavirus, like the actual virus, is it like a really bad like sort of hypothermia sort of um like feeling or have you been briefed on like what the actual like coronavirus is? Um, yeah, like I guess just 
dirty illness and, you know, that it really, really affects the lungs and causes inflammation in the lungs, causes high temperatures. Um, so it could present like a flu with a cough and then, you know, present, and then with other people it presents as something more or something less. Yeah. Some people do not get symptoms for the whole time they've had it. Some people do not get symptoms and they're only getting tested, um, because they work in a place with COVID. But that doesn't mean that if you don't have symptoms that you could spread it to someone else and then have very severe symptoms. Yeah. Um, and then on the other hand, there are people that get it and it just makes them deteriorate so, so much. Yeah, that's fucked because, like, you can't really trust the numbers then that the hospitals are putting out, can't you not? Um, look, the people that are in the hospitals are being tested regularly. I think everyone admitted to hospital these days has to get a test. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting the numbers from that. And then I guess the asymptomatic people, unless they're working in um, a facility with COVID or they're getting regular testing, then maybe you wouldn't, but hopefully they're catching most of them. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. It fucking... It's so weird, like, whenever it first came out, like, everyone for- thought it was a joke, and we were just like, oh, yeah, it's just, that's it, like, it's only happening in China, and then it starts spreading in different countries, and, like, people just weren't giving a fuck, and um, it's weird. I never thought that it would go this far, ever, in a million years. Yeah, I know, it's, it's fucking, like, especially the length of time as well, like, we're coming into September, and, like, you're seeing all these relapses, I've I seen in the UK... Like, it was gone for, like, there was, like, no new cases for a while there. And I think over the last six weeks now, there's been 30 deaths. So, like, they're probably going to have a, a relapse again. Um, and then yeah. you're seeing these countries coming out, like Brazil, like, have got fucking, like, really high numbers. And, like, Russia as well. And, like, all these countries weren't affected at the start. But it's obviously because it's obviously, like, spreading to those countries now. Or maybe, I don't know if the governments were lying about, like, the numbers, saying that they didn't have it or whatever. Um but yeah, it's it's just insane. Like you only seen these things in movies. Like 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 imagine a zombie apocalypse happen. We all be fucked. Well, it wouldn't be too non-expected now. To be fair, at this stage. I know exactly. Um, <laughs> I was actually speaking to a guy um, walking down Sydney. Uh, he wanted to get rid of the communist Chinese party in uh, China, mm. and he's actually from Wuhan where the virus uh broke out and yeah i was talking to him and um he was like telling me like all these like sort of facts and stuff like that and um well i don't know if they're facts but they seem pretty believable and uh <laughs> i'm gonna try and get him on the podcast and try and like talk to him about it which i think would be really cool oh, that'd be great. yeah because like you can actually like like he, he seemed like very like knowledgeable and like what he was talking um, talking about so but he, like, he was like saying like it was like created in a lab and like it uh like got broken out i don't know what his sources are but um it'll be still interesting to sort of hear from someone from wuhan and um, where the virus yeah, broke definitely. out uh yeah so you're, you're in stage four lockdown now as well yeah we're still in stage four and we've just found out now that it'll be extended so I don't think anything will change much for us until the 26th of October, which seems like a lifetime away. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, there was a few days there now with it when it was first announced, kind of two days, I was just like, what is this? You know, like, 
I don't think any of us expected to be still in lockdown at that stage when it was announced the other day. But, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, we just have to keep going, keep playing on. I know, exactly. And, like, so you aren't, you aren't allowed to go, all the restaurants are shut, pubs and stuff like that, yeah? Everything, yeah. That's insane. And is there, like, selected time? Is there, like, a curfew or anything like that, or...? Yeah, there's a curfew, 8pm curfew, and I think it's going to go to 9pm. Oh, okay. Which won't, won't make much of a difference to us, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and what about, like, supermarkets and stuff? Do you have to go at certain times, or...? Uh, no, supermarkets are fine. Like, they're obviously closed before the curfew, mm-hmm. um, or just before the curfew, but supermarkets are fine, but you can only go out, so you can go for exercise for an hour. I think it might be up to two hours now. And then you can go to the supermarket, but you're not allowed going to. You have to go one person's mouth. Um, and yeah, I go to the supermarket and I go to work and I go to the home. <laughs> That's fucking insane. I really do feel for you. Like, we're so lucky here in Sydney. It, like, it just, no one's even like talking about it that much here. Um, everyone's yeah. still got the masks on and stuff like that on public transport. And, um, it's like still, I still find, like, I'm still quite conscious of it. Like, so, like, if someone's, like, standing, like, too close to me, like, I'll, like, walk away and stuff like that. Like, I'll social distance. Yeah. But, like, no one gives a fuck in Sydney. Like, it's actually insane. No, that, like, and, like, there were protests here last week just before it was announced. Um, there was huge protests in some of the parks nearby mm-hmm. um, of people that are just sick of it and yeah. wanted it. There was loads of arrested and stuff like that. So, it's just... The environment at the moment here isn't pleasant. There's a lot of backlash. There's yeah. a lot of angst. There's a lot of people getting extremely frustrated. And look, I don't, while I don't agree with the riots and protesting and when we've gotten, when we've come so far, yeah. I totally understand people's frustration at the same time. Like, yeah. even I'm working in it and I'm getting frustrated, you know, but yeah. hopefully if we just like stay the course, it will do the work and keep doing what we're doing. By Christmas, fingers crossed that the latest would be. Yeah, that's having a normal one. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. You want to make sure that um, everything's gone by Christmas. And um, I feel people's like frustrations as well as coming from like people who are in power, and there was no sort of like action plan for like an outbreak of yeah. a pandemic. Like I know Donald Trump, he got rid of a <laughs> pandemic. Uh, a, it was some sort of plan. Um, like a pandemic plan, like if it ever did outbreak, and he got rid of it. But but like, that's like like everyone would think that. Do you know what I mean? Like be like, oh, pandemic, that's never going to happen. Do you know what I mean? But then it fucking yeah. did. So like, I do feel I I do have sympathy for like leaders as well because like no one's this first time it's ever happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, like hundred percent. Yeah, like and I know like the Spanish like, flu happened and stuff like that back in the what nineteen thirties or twenties or something like that. And then you had SARS before and like it was like really bad in Canada. Um but like on this like sort of like global scale, like I think it's come up to like three quarters of a million people have died or like eight hundred um thousand people. Um it's just fucking it's insane. But I do I, I totally agree with what you say. Like it is frustrating, but you do need to stay the course. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've gotten, we've come this far. It would seem such a waste to just throw it all away. Yeah. Um, as frust- as frustrating as it is, but look, that's that's the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, 
I'm glad that you we've got people like you who are um, helping uh, the people in the hospitals. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you seem like you really do care about your job, which is great to see. Um, and sort of whenever I've seen like your videos online of you like singing sort of music, do you feel like that's like sort of like a release for you, like of all like the stress and like frustration that you've like started going through, like you're channeling, like you're channeling, channeling your energy to that? Definitely. And like, you know that it, like, it's so funny in work. I'd be singing away to myself and I actually think it's like a coping mechanism that I've developed now because yeah. it does, it calms me. It's something I'm so used to. So like for people that don't know me and I'm going in and I'm sure I'm singing away, like not a care in the world, yeah. but it definitely just kind of makes me plot along for today, I guess. Yeah. Um, and as well, when I am singing doing my videos, I do love it. Yeah, that's amazing. You're doing really well. Um, I, I, me and Emma were listening to, uh, some of your music earlier and, uh, you've got like that sort of like nice, like Irish, like sort of voice, like kind of like Sinead O'Connor sort of style. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you like, Jesus. if you don't like me saying Stop, that. No. <laughs> my head won't be able to sit out the door. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to shave your hair. <laughs> oh no. No, no, no. <laughs> um, now listen, I, this is brilliant. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. I'm so glad that you took your time. Yeah, um, me too. I'm sure. Thank you, just you for want, having me. Yeah, I'm sure you probably just wanted to chill after having a shift today. Um, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really thankful that you came on today. Um, so have you got like YouTube or anything? Obviously, you have Instagram. Um, yeah, I do have a YouTube as well that I put my uh, videos on, but most of my videos go on Instagram. Okay, cool. Um, I'll, if you send me like the links for that, um, I'll be able to put it up on my post, um, whenever I do release Amazing. the podcast. Thank you. Um, do you have a blog or anything as well, or is it just Instagram and sort of? Yeah, I do have a blog. I have a blog on WordPress and I'm also doing a blog for my agency at the moment and the link is in the bio of my Instagram. Okay, great. You'll send it all across to me, sure, and I can, uh, put it on. I will, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, listen, thanks very much for coming on and I'll definitely do it again with you some other time. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Yeah, no worries. Have a good night. You too. Bye. See ya. Bye.